Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, it's been an interesting week. Yeah. Coming off Thanksgiving. Yeah, what did you guys do? We uh, we stayed home. We did a lot of raking the yard. Fun. Uh, we did a lot of playing and enjoying time with kids. We uh, we had family come in town, smaller group than usual, but it was a good time to just hang out, see some people we haven't seen in a while, uh, eat good food, and we did shopping. I'm not going to lie. We did... Online or in stores? Oh, online. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's the point anymore to go in stores when Supposedly online? Supposedly like, the... Uh, Store traffic was up this year. Yeah, I mean, I went, where do we go? We went somewhere, not shopping, but like I went out driving somewhere and I noticed that traffic was very heavy. But anyway, we, uh, yeah, we got a lot of good things for Christmas time and um, for our house that were, you know, still. Is there a favorite food in the family? Something y'all make every year that you love? We are not banana bread. We make a pumpkin bread. Pumpkin bread's like our thing we do. For Thanksgiving. That's Well, instead of like, it's our pumpkin pie replacement. Yeah, don't I don't. Me. I don't like pumpkin anything. You don't like pumpkins at all. Just yeah. You don't pumpkin flavored is what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. You're not against like the vegetable. I'm against it. Okay. Smash. No, <laughs> no. I just don't like the food. Um. Yeah. So we we went to Hilton Head with the family and enjoyed okay. that. And good. My favorite food: smoked turkey. That's yeah. A good way to make yeah. A turkey. I mean, smoked turkey's great. Yeah. Just, I'm a big fan of that. I like yeah turkey smoked or good crispy skin. I'm a I'm a crispy skin kind of guy. Yeah, well, you get that with the smoker. I, you know, I don't love fried, but a lot of people yeah. like that. Um, yeah, so it was a good time. Good, yeah, good time with family. Excellent. And then uh, I'm sure you had a chance to watch the Clemson game. No, I, I didn't watch it. You did not. Yeah, no, I did. Unfortunately, <laughs> that was painful. Um, I won't go too much into that, but yeah, congratulations to South Carolina. It's been a long time. Yeah, a long time. So Clemson, I feel like. Wanted to lose that game at times, um, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to uh, dwell on that too long. So, um, well, anyway, my name is Zach Albanese. I'm a financial advisor. Been in the industry for about three years. I've been here with Richard Young for about two. Yeah, and I'm Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smartvestor Pro uh, right here at Richard Young Associates. That's right, and we're excited to have you listen to us today on our on our weekly show. We are exclusively up every week on Friday afternoon, so you can find our show on our website through moneymd.net. You can find it on you know whatever podcast service you use on Friday and listen to us anywhere in the world. And another good thing to do is check out our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us, you can ask questions, you can see previous shows. It's just a great place to go to, to get an archive of kind of what we talk about, what we do. So a lot of old shows up there. Uh, you know, it's, it's just interesting. You can listen through the years, obviously just different things going on in the world and the economy and markets. And, and Yeah, it's a great resource. Yeah, just a, a great resource for you. And here's a good thing for you next. We're going to talk about our financial fact of the week. Here's the fact, Ryan. Markets don't wait for official announcements. So what do I mean by that? So in the 2008 crisis, the official in-recession announcement came in December of 2008 a year after the recession already had started. By then, stock prices had already dropped more than 40%, reflecting expectations of how the slowing economy would affect company profits. Although the recession ended in May of 2009, the quote-unquote end of recession announcement came 16 months later in September of, of 2010, whereas U.S. stocks had started rebounding before the recession was over and climbed 
um, through the the official announcement, and that source for that is uh, Dimensional Funds. And so what this is basically saying is, don't wait for official announcements. Meaning an official announcement of a recession. I know people are, you know, everyone's expecting recession in 2023. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean there's more bad news when it comes to markets. It actually could mean that things are starting to recover already. Yeah, you just get the question like, oh, you know, what do I do with my with my accounts if if we're in recession? Markets are forward thinking, so they're that's already right. pricing these things in, yep. and so that's why we tell you to you know stay in your seat, keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah, because you'll you'll be surprised you have a big announcement coming up, and people expect all this movement in markets, and it won't do anything, or it'll be the opposite of what you think. You just can't time it. Markets are are, are usually moving past what's being announced because they were already expecting that way well in advance. That's right. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, obviously we, we can't predict the future and we can just look back on how recessions have been called in the past, but things do tend to repeat themselves. And so I think it's a good thing to, to note. And so we got a good show uh, ahead of you today. We got two great topics. Um, the first one we will dig into are the top five financial regrets of Americans over 50. It's a very interesting topic. This one's by Barron's. Um, okay. And uh, we'll, we'll dig into that first, but the other one we'll get into after that is we're going to talk about HELOCs. Um, yeah. And Ryan, you're going to handle that. And just, I think it's a good question to, yeah. to ask, what is a HELOC? We hear that a lot. It's, it stands yeah. for Home Equity Line of Credit. Um, and we'll get into that second. Uh, any, yeah, anything you want to say on that before we Yeah, the main, main reason on the HELOCs is, you know, Home Equity Lines of Credit, you know, they're up 40% in the second quarter um, a year or, than the year earlier. So, you know, they've, they've been up. People are asking People about are asking them. About and, them. That's and so, right. Good to go over. I don't like them, and um, we'll kind of just talk about the risks of them. Sure. And just talk about that, and then yeah, I'm interested about the uh, five financial regrets first. Yeah, so let's do that one first. Again, this one is from Barons. Uh, I saw this last night actually, and I'm like, you know what? This this would be a good topic to talk about. Okay. Um, and so yeah, these are the top five financial regrets of Americans over 50. And so there's an old joke about a man. In the Wild West, he's about to be hanged for some crime he committed. And as he's standing there on the scaffold and the hangman's placing the noose around his neck, the criminal tells the crowd, well, this is going to be a real lesson for me. And it's kind of, you know, kind of ironic because he'll be dead. But anyway, you're not going to be dead if you have financial regrets, but we're going to talk about yeah. financial regrets and how to prepare for them. Because one of the great problems with retirement planning is that by the time we realize the big mistakes we've made, it's usually too late to do anything else. Those who have, you know, for example, spent too much while too much of their money while they're young, and who then end up older and broke, can always say in their their, you know, in their mind, this has been a real lesson to me. But how is that actually going to help them? What we want to do is help you prepare. So it brings us to the question of what we can do to try to prevent those financial regrets now by taking the right decisions when we still have time to change our actions. So it isn't simply a, a challenge for us each individually, but also one of, of public policy. How can we do more to encourage more and better retirement planning? Uh, two economists, Abigail Hurwitz of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and Olivia Mitchell of the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton Business School recently conducted a survey of older Americans on the subject of financial regret. They polled about 1,700 Americans over the age of 50 through the University of Michigan's ongoing health and retirement survey. And in this survey... The average age was 72, and what they found was interesting and useful. Yeah, so just very interesting. So older Americans have five major financial regrets. You know, one or two are quite surprising, Zach, and those regrets increase dramatically when people are encouraged to think more about how long they are likely to live. 
So let's start with the regrets. Um, in the survey, the number one financial regret of older Americans shared by a thumping 57% was not having saved more for their retirement right. during their working years. Yep. Not surprising. That's not, that one's uh, not surprising. And while you can't save more if you don't earn more, those looking back with regret also blame themselves for not planning ahead and living day to day. So big one there. We hear that often. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, that would be the top regret for sure. I mean, obviously the data shows, but that's probably yeah our top ones that we hear as yeah, well. Yeah, the second on the list, surprisingly, not buying long-term care insurance to pay for nursing home or you know similar care. That was a regret by 40% of those who were polled. Um, there is a widespread uh, misapprehension, ex- uh, especially among non-retirees, uh, that Medicare will pay for your stay in a nursing home, uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, it won't. Um, it won't ex- uh, except in the narrow and quite brief exceptions, um, which we can. You can always call and ask about. Yeah. You'll have to pay for yourself. So Medicaid will step in, but only when you have to run out of money. And so that's not a place you want to be in. Yeah, it's not a good position to be in. And the interesting thing about this long-term care insurance question is. Really, if you plan well, kind of going back to the first point, uh, the first regret, if you plan well, you don't necessarily need long-term care insurance. Um, and so what we want to do is help our clients plan well so that's not a big issue. Um, it's amazing how much can be avoided when you just think about these things earlier, start planning earlier. But yeah, it seems like it's a big, um, you know, big question for people who don't have the money to... Um, you know, kind of deal with the challenges of long-term care. So what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just saying, I mean, part of that is not saving enough, right? You can be self-insured and things like that. And if you save enough, you, you might be able to pay for that. So there's lots of ways. That's why it's important to have a plan in place to That's kind of right. have a good idea where you're going to be so you can figure out how you're going to cover those costs when they do come. Yeah, yeah. And so third on the list, that's number two. Third on the list, 37% of older Americans actually regret not working longer. Really? Yeah. And while t- added to this, 23% regret claiming Social Security too early. So let's go back to the working question. 37% regret not working longer. Ryan, why do you think that is? Uh, I think some people might, you know, you're used to spending so much time doing what you're doing. You get good yeah. at it and then you stop and you have a lot more time in the day. And I'm sure if, you, if you're not retiring <laughs> to something, you're sure. just retiring from something, that can be pretty hard. And well, we've yeah. Seen that. I mean, if you spend 30 years plus working sometimes in the same job or the same field, and you just stop. Yeah. I mean, that can really affect your uh, just your, your daily rhythms, your, your emotional, your mental health. Uh, I think people need to consider that more. And so a lot of times what we see people do that do it healthily, retire healthily, is they're, like you're saying, retiring to something. They have, a, they have something they're looking forward to doing. Maybe it's not going to replace their income, but it's something they can keep busy with and feel like they're contributing to society in some way. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And, yeah. I, you know, we do we do see that for sure. And sometimes people will go back to work. Sometimes they'll, they'll do a part-time job, but they'll start a small business or something to... Um, yeah, we've yeah. talked about on, on the show too, like test running retirement. Sometimes that's a good yeah. idea. You know, maybe take a month off and just see what it's like, see if you like it or think of some ideas. Because sometimes, like I said, it just hits you and after 30 years of working and you're like, oh, now what do I do? It's, yeah. it's a lot of time. And um, yeah, so you just got to, it's something you got to think about as part of the planning process, not just the numbers. It's <clears throat> also just, you know, the, the purpose of life and 
uh, yeah, just yeah, some of those larger questions. So absolutely. Um, so, this next part here talks about uh, Social Security. So so twenty three percent regret claiming Social Security too early. Yeah, so you can start at sixty two, and many do that. Um, but if you wait, you will get more each month. Some someone waiting till they're seventy to start claiming will end up getting checks that are nearly eighty percent bigger. Right. Um, so you want to do some analysis on this, work with a planner and, and figure out, you know, what your break even is, or, you know, do you need to take social security early? Um, a lot of people just think that they need to do that. There's always concern about social security, but it might make sense for you to delay. Um, the two most powerful levers you can pull to improve your retirement prospect, uh, prospects, even as late as your sixties is to keep working for longer and delaying social security as long as possible. Yeah, so those are two factors to always consider, um, and that was their uh, number three regret. Number four, well, I guess that's number three and number five. Number four, though, is is a uh, this is actually interesting to me. So, a remarkable thirty three percent of older Americans regretted not investing more in a lifetime annuity or similar product that would produce a guaranteed income for life. Um, so, when I read this, I was, hmm. you know, I know you hear guaranteed income a lot. Yeah. And it's attractive. But what's interesting about the word or the phrase guaranteed income, it's appealing, but it's yeah. extremely misleading. Yes. Because guaranteed income, I mean, you could hold cash in a chest at your house. Yeah. You know, say you live 30 years after retirement, just divide that cash by 30 and that would be guaranteed. Correct. That's guaranteed income right there, right? Yeah. Right in your chest, in your room. Yeah. With the key underneath your pillow. Great idea. <laughs> That's guaranteed income. But what's the problem with that? You know, it's, it's not going to grow. It's not going to outpace inflation. Um, and inflation is going to cause prices to rise. That cash won't be worth as much. You're, you're negatively impacting yourself by not investing it in something that will outpace inflation and actually grow for you so that you can live long enough in your retirement. Another issues, and I'll get to you. I know, Ryan, you're waiting, you're waiting to share. I can hear that breath come through, but you just need to hold on, buddy. I'm holding. I'm holding. All right. The other problem with annuities is you you really pay for that quote-unquote guarantee and tons of fees. And an in, in annuity salesmen, they use confusing phraseology, too. They talk about withdrawal rates instead of return rates, and they're just not the same thing at all. And so you can go, Ryan. I'm ready for you. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things on this. I have to suspect that a lot of the, the people that on their number four regret were probably a lot of the people that didn't save enough. So, right, they're already... That's like, true. Right, I mean, if you look historic, like just looking historically, you know, markets compared to annuities have, you know, done much, much better, historically much better. speaking. Yeah. You look at the broader U.S. market, um, you know, having a portfolio of 60-40 um, in retirement. The other thing to think about is just, um, yeah, like you said, annuities give a lot of numbers, but they hide a lot of things like fees. They and, hide a ton. You know, you, you yeah. get locked into them. And I've met with so many people that want to get out and they have huge penalties to pull out. Um, and it, it's just a mess. And, yeah. and, and yeah, then, and usually the guaranteed income is, is not very good. <laughs> no, they're paying yeah, all their fees right. and, yeah. um, yeah, their products, they're commission based. So people love to sell them because they get huge commission checks. And, and they're illiquid. I mean, I think the number one issue Correct. with annuities is they're illiquid you make a decision, you and you're you're locked in it. And um, there are better ways, we believe, to invest to to generate an income Correct. that might not use the word guarantee, but, have but a it, high probability of high success. probability. It's planned well for you. We consider your risk level because risk is important for sure. I mean, you need to consider your risk and how comfortable you are. But that's you know that's what we do in our planning and our in our job is to to help 
realize and, and mitigate that risk as much as we can for your situation. So, um, yeah, moving on here. Yeah, as part of the survey, the researchers also gave some of the subjects objective information about longevity, showing them mathematically the chances that they would actually live to a ripe old age. Well, the result, the financial regret went up. In some cases, they went up a lot. Healthy people given, um, you know, healthy people given objective longevity information were forty-three percent more likely to express mm-hmm. regret about having not having saved more um, in this report. So, those given the objective data about survival probabilities expressed twice as much regret about not having purchased long-term care insurance and two point four times greater regret for not having purchased lifetime income payments. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? If you, if you yeah. have a longer chance of living longer, you're just concerned more about running out of money. And I mean, those are common fears that we hear and speak into here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that not, that's not surprising. It's not surprising, but it, it shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't, you shouldn't dread Correct. living longer, having a healthier life. You should be prepared for it, right? And that's, and that's why I thought this article was really good to bring up is because it brings up some things that we agree with, some things we disagree with. But yeah. overall, like you were saying, the sentiment is you being prepared is of utmost importance we care about that um obviously you care about it. it's your life it's your money and we want to help you navigate that Absolutely. that uh so th- that that path in retirement so anyway i thought that was good 50 or five top financial regrets of americans over 50 good article from barons and now we will gonna we're gonna move on to our question of the week yeah i got this question this week uh just asking about how long they have to contribute to the ross for the year so the question was, hey, do I need to get my, my Roth contributions in by December 31st so I can you know, max out for 2022? Uh, we do get that quite often. Yeah. And the answer Good is question. no, you have till yeah. tax day of the following yeah. year. So you can max out your Roth for 2022 come April 18th, right. 2023. So you still have a few more months if you want to make up, you know, catch up contributions to max it out. Those, uh, you know, under 50, it's 6000 a year. And then mm-hmm. uh, those over 50 have a $1,000 catch-up, so you can do... Yeah, and that'll increase, actually, next year. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in, in the RX, actually, but yeah. Huh. It will. It's going to increase. That. I was wondering where... I'm like, I'm like, wait, I thought that was on here. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk. There's Just a theme. Hold. There's a theme. All right, hold your horses, listeners. You know, Ryan, you couldn't, you couldn't wait earlier. Now the listeners yeah. are waiting. They can't, they can't wait to hear the yeah, RX. Yeah, but just, just, to, just to reiterate, yes. you have till April 18th to max out your IRAs. Now yeah. your work plans... You know, obviously that comes out of your paycheck. That's the end of the year. So if you want to add more to your your four hundred one k, you need to go ahead and, and make any adjustments for this last month. Yes, and one thing I was going to say, I forgot, is that it is if you're near that threshold, which right now is about a little over two hundred thousand dollars joint yeah. income for Roth contributions. Sometimes it is more beneficial to wait Correct. until February, March, to where you know. Your total, mm-hmm. yeah, your total adjusted gross income for Absolutely. the previous year to know if you actually can contribute to your Roth. So anyway, good question. And that will also be increasing. So That's right. Yeah. Yep. Good question of the week. And let's move on. Let's talk about HELOCs, Ryan. Yeah, Zach. So, you know, HELOCs have been a big topic lately just due to interest rates, due to what's going on in the housing market. And so I want, we kind of just want to talk through this and... Uh, you know, obviously we don't agree with everything, um, but we'll kind of walk through. So as high interest rates drive up the cost of borrowing money, more people are tapping into their equity in their homes. And why would they do this? Well, Americans took out $66 billion in home equity lines of credit, or HELOCs, um, in the second quarter. A 40% increase from a year ago and the largest amount in almost three years, according to data from real estate and analytics from Adam Data Solutions. 
So uh, these accounts, which allow homeowners to borrow against the value of their home, are making a comeback. Higher interest rates make it less favorable to refinance. You know your mortgage, things like that. People are we're starting to see people use utilize more debt. That's right. As the economy seems to be tightening, uh, this comes from Wall Street Journal, by the way, and it's oh, yeah. Veronica yep. Dar, I think, is how I would say her name. Yeah, um, that works for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. So he, like you're saying, Ryan, a HELOC works like a line of credit or a credit card, but since it's backed by your property, generally it offers a much more favorable interest rate. The average HELOC rate is 7.7%, according to bankrate.com, compared with the average credit card rate of 19.04% um, or 10.64% on an average personal loan rate. So owners get a credit line based on their home equity, but they don't have to use all or even any of the available funds. And so having ready access to money um, is why people think HELOCs might be a good idea or might be appealing. Um, as long as borrowers refrain from treating their home as an ATM, you know, it it can be a short-term solution. So lenders, they tend to tighten credit standards during a downturn. And so when you think about the rise of this HELOC rate, it makes it starts to make sense. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So while HELOCs can provide that financial safety net, homeowners have to understand what they are getting into. Um, yeah, so that's you, the big that's the big part. Exactly. So those who fail to repay a HELOC could risk losing their home. Yeah, that's not that's good. That's a huge red flag for me. Yeah. Um, HELOC is different from a home equity loan, um, which typically has a fixed rate and gives borrowers a lump sum up front. So you right. keep tapping into it. Um, you know, main thing I would say there is it doesn't really fix the problem, especially if you're trying to get out of debt. Like this just gives you another avenue to keep utilizing debt um, and just being in that cycle. Obviously, you risk losing your home. You know, if you do go into an economic downturn, you lose your job, things like that. That can happen. Yeah. It's yeah, risky. Absolutely. It's no, absolutely risky. For sure. And so actually, you know, the demand for HELOCs is increasing, but a lot of banks are actually choosing not to offer them due to Yeah, I found that interesting. That's, Very interesting. That's a red flag for yeah, me if too. Banks, if banks are not willing to offer you money that they get interest on yeah that's kind of scary so I, I just i don't like them um i understand why people do them but yep. i'm more in the camp of save up for something and, and then pay for it um, yep delay Absolutely. gratification is good it is yeah to be eligible for a heloc your home's current value usually needs to be at least 15 percent higher than the amount you owe on the mortgage but each lender you know they might have uh, slightly different terms of requirements you have to check the maximum size of a HELOC is usually a fraction of a homeowner's equity. So, for instance, for a home valued at $400,000, let's say with $250,000 still owed on the mortgage, a borrower might be able to get a HELOC for about $90,000. So, yeah, so the interest rates on HELOCs are typically, you know, variable, meaning they will fluctuate as interest rates change more broadly. That's another red flag, especially with interest rates going up. Um, you got to be very mindful of that that it's not always going to be fixed. So, other factors go into the rate, including your credit score, debt to income ratio, and the amount you are seeking to borrow. So you got to be mindful of all those things. Yeah. You know, HELOC applications also come with certain fees, which vary by lender. Many include the cost of home appraisal, title search, along with other expenses that can add up between 2% and 5% total um, credit line. Fees, man. Fees. Always got fees. Always. Um, you know, interest paid on a HELOC can be tax deductible, but only if you use the HELOC to pay your home for home renovations and improvements. So it's got to be specifically for that. And you can only deduct interest up to 750000 of residential debt. This limit will take into account both how much you owe on the HELOC as well as other types of 
resident loans like a mortgage. Yeah. I don't think that's a reason to do it. You know, you're yeah, still no. you're still losing money typically. You're right. paying interest. You know, it's yeah. I wouldn't say that's a reason to do it. No, you no. Know, and as you were saying, you know, home and home improvements are probably the the number one reason people will will take out a HELOC. Yeah. Um, I've also seen it for restructuring debt. You're, you're, you restructuring. Do have to pay all your debt. But sure, it's a cheaper. Once again, does that really fix the problem? Does right. that really get you out of debt? Yeah. Or does it just kind of delay, kick the can down the road, or keep keep the cycle going? Right. Yeah. So you know, it's something that we we wouldn't encourage. It's not good, but looking at them as a short term strategy can be a better situation for you. But we want to plan to really tackle the problem. Like you're saying, it's just a band aid. Um, and so some people will use their home improvement projects when with home prices rising. Um, and mortgage rates, or I should say both rising, many Americans are choosing to renovate actually their current homes, which makes sense, right? They can't afford a new home. They want to renovate. And so this is why we've seen this increase, 40% increase. Um, at the end of uh, the third quarter, the average U.S. homeowner had $196,000 in tappable equity, which was down from the second quarter, but still up 10% from the same time last year, according to uh, data from Black Knight. Um, so, yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's it is a scary thing when you you know you mentioned earlier about banks not wanting to give HELOCs to customers and I think you know it ends up being this this attractive credit line but yeah I mean it, it comes to all these fees and it it really yeah. is going to wreak havoc. I understand situation. every situation is different. I'm in the camp minimize as much debt as possible outside of your home. Absolutely, and it just cripples you. It's just going to be a better life for you. Yeah. Pay off your debt aggressively. And stay out of debt um, because, yeah, there, there's always risk with debt and you just don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what the economy is going to do in five, ten years and there's just risk there and you just got to be very mindful of that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just to hit your goals, you, you know, you got to actually have cash going to you, not to institutions. You know, pay yourself interest rather than paying someone else interest. Yeah. So that was a good article. Um, just a good way to know about certain terminologies and, and know what you you may be in for and and the risks absolutely there so absolutely um all right ryan can we get to that the rx the rx the prescription that we are that i i jumped the gun earlier i apologize but let's let's get into it now so (laughs) well so the prescription uh for this you know we're going into december here so yeah so limits on your roth are going up next year that's right those under 50, you're looking at 6,500. You can now put towards your Roth going forward until they change it again. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, those over 50, uh, we're looking at 7,500. So you got the $1,000 catch up. So uh, go ahead and consider updating if you're doing auto monthly drafts. Go ahead and update that to where you will max yep. it out, right? Because, uh, yeah, you can put $500 more a year going forward. So you want to make sure you're taking advantage of that, maxing your IRA, your Roth IRA That's out. That's right. Also, be mindful. You know your four hundred one k limits are increasing as well. So Quite a bit too. Yeah, twenty two thousand five hundred, and then thirty thousand for those over fifty. Yeah. Uh, so those are some good things as we're trying to keep pace with inflation. Uh, there's there's room to save more within your plans to help with taxes and as well as tax free growth on your Roth. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think you know with the increases with with the market down, if you can. Even January could be a really good time if you if Absolutely. you're doing contributions to, to knock that out early in the new year. So it's been a good one, Ryan. Absolutely, this has been you know this week's edition, the post Thanksgiving, post moving into December. That's right, moving into December edition of Money MD. You can tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to 
hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Again, check out our website at moneyandd.net. Send us your questions. Give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. About a